This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching at this time. And may I encourage you to continue to watch today as we're going to be discussing this theme, such a time as this. What kind of a time is it? What about the days in which we live? What do we need to be doing in these times? Stay tuned as we discuss this subject. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I want to highlight the fact that it's free, doesn't cost anything, and we want you to have it. We have literally thousands upon thousands of people all over the United States in so many foreign countries that are already studying this Bible correspondence course. We want you to have the opportunity to study this course in the privacy of your home. We want to make it available to you today. And in order that you might know more about the course, in order that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314 Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from the book of Esther, chapter 4, and I would like to read verses 13 and 14. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the, for, for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, a young Jewish girl, was raised to the throne of Persia through the providence of God. Hatred spawned in the heart of Haman, a prince in the court of the king, which caused him to conspire to have all of the Jews killed. When Mordecai learned of the plot, he went to Esther to encourage her to speak up. And it was through her courage that she became the deliverer of her people. She came to the kingdom for such a time as this. I ask, what time is it today? For example, what time is it in America? Well, it's a time of growing population. Someone estimated that the world's population at the time of Christ would, would be around 250 million people. 
Now there are over 7 billion people in the world. America has become a multicultural nation. Our population is growing rapidly. It is also a time of information. Because of the World Wide Web, we have more information available than at any time in the history of the world. You can communicate instantly to almost any place all over the world. It is also a time of changing relationships in the home. Many homes today are fractured by divorce. There are many homes today that are single parent homes. And there are those who just choose to ignore biblical uh, teaching and they just cohabitate. But it is also a time of terror. Since 9-11, we've been aware of our vulnerability from foreign and domestic attacks. And we know that most any time that there can be an act of terror almost anywhere in the world. But it is also a time of hopelessness in the lives of many. Those who are trapped in a drug-infested neighborhoods of, the, of our nation feel hopeless. Those who cannot find work in a day of, of rising unemployment may feel hopeless. Those who might live in a country that is torn by, by war feel the agony of hopelessness. But it is also a time of violence. Schools that should be a haven of safety have become like bunkers in a war zone. Today, gangs roam the streets like animals of prey. And in so many ways, civility in society has become a thing of the past. What time is it? It is a time when God is shunned and denied. No thought of Him at all. Psalms 10 Verse 4, in Romans 3 and verse 18, the Bible says there is no fear of God before their eyes. I believe that's what time it is today in America. And the things that have been said about America are equally as true about all, most if not all, the nations of the world. The answer to the moral, spiritual, and the ethical problems of the world is not going to be found in returning to man-made traditions of years gone by. That's not the answer. And the answer to the moral, the spiritual, and the ethical problems of our world is not going to be found in, in government because the problems that face this world are spiritual in nature, and the answer must be spiritual. You see, the answer to the difficulties that face our world is found in returning to God. In Psalms, the 33rd chapter, 
And in verse number 12 of that chapter, the psalmist said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He has chosen as His own inheritance. You see the answer that to, that to the problems that plague America, the answer to the, to the problems that plague Europe, South America, Asia, the Mideast, the answer is to be found in returning to a belief in and an adherence to the Word of the living God. There are many nations that have risen, that have fallen, and now they're even lost to human memory, whose God was not the God of the Bible. And that should cause every rational thinking individual to ask the question, what do we really need today? How do we return to God? So what is the world's greatest need? The greatest need of the world is not jobs, it's not controlling drug trafficking, it's not even the prevention of, of terrorism as, as much as we would like to have those things happen. But the bottom line is the need is to just live right. For if people lived right, we wouldn't have terror in the world. If people would live right, we wouldn't have the drug trafficking in our world. I want to read a passage to you from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14 and verse 34. I want you to listen carefully to these words. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. If you want a nation to prosper, the citizens of that nation must live right. If a nation falls, it will be because the citizens of that nation did not live right. Sin is a reproach to any people. You see, that's the hope of nations, to live right. That, that's the hope of the home today, to live right. And I'll even say that's the hope of the church today for people just to live right. As Paul put it in the book of Titus chapter 2 and verse 12, we are to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Folks, right living is not an option. Living right is not an option. Now let me define what I mean by living right. I'm talking about living our lives in accordance with and in harmony with God's divine word. That's righteousness. That's right living. In Psalms 172, the psalmist gave this definition of righteousness. All thy commandments are righteousness. All of his commandments are, are, are righteousness. And so when we live a right life, and we're doing right. It's because we have allowed our lives to be governed and guided by a divine standard, and that's the Bible. In Psalms 119, verse 105, the psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I repeat, right living is not an option. I have to live right to enter heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Know ye not, the unrighteous 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he doesn't make any apology for making that statement. And the reason is, that's just the way it is. You have to live right to enter heaven. You can't live wrong and die right with God. Secondly, right living is going to be a factor in the judgment. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 25 and in verse number 46. This is the last verse in that chapter. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous, that is, people that live right, into eternal life. So right living is going to be a factor in the day of judgment. And righteousness, as I've already said, is to do the will of God. Psalms 119, verse 172. All of thy commandments are righteousness. In 1 Peter, or rather 1 John, the third chapter, and in verse number 7, listen to what John wrote. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Now, if righteousness, the commandments of God are righteousness... And if we practice righteousness, that means that we are practicing God's Word. That is, we are fulfilling His commands. We are obeying God. We are allowing His Word to direct our lives. And the person that does that is righteous just like God is righteous, as He is righteous. So righteousness is so vital to a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Now, there are three things that are essential to being righteous. First of all, you must love righteousness. You cannot live right and hate right living. In Romans 12 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, Abhor that which is evil, cleave unto that which is good. So we're to hate evil, and we are to cleave or to hold on to things that are good. I fear that in our day there are not nearly enough people that abhor evil, that hate evil. Let me read to you from the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your, your God, has anointed you with all of gladness more than your companions. So we have to love it. Amos 5 and verse 15 says, hate the evil and love the good. So if we're going to live right, we're going to live a righteous life, we have to come to love right living. We need to learn to love purity, to love honesty, to love civility, to love the Bible, to love our neighbor, to love Jesus, 
to love the church, to love our family, to love our enemies. We just have to learn to live right. You see, a man who hates right living is like a man who keeps a rattlesnake in his house. Eventually, if you don't like right living, eventually it's going to be your downfall. Listen to Solomon again. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But, but a second thing that is essential to live a right life, you have to want to. You must desire to do right. I called your attention to a passage of Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure you're very familiar with this verse. And it's in verse 6 of chapter 5. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, a person must learn to desire to do right, to want to do right. And Jesus said you have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. It is largely a waste of time to try to get an individual to do right who doesn't have any desire to do right. You have to want to do right. The reason there are many people that do not go to church today, the reason there are many people that do not read the Bible, they do not pray, the reason there are many people that, that would shun uh, programs like getting to know your Bible, where we're trying to lift up the Word of God, basically deep down in the heart, they just don't desire to do right. They have no desire to read the Bible. They have no desire for church. They have no desire to pray. They have no desire to, to do what the Bible teaches one must do to go to heaven. And basically, you can do all that you want to do. But unless they desire it, you're not going to make very much impact on their life. But then the third thing that is essential for an individual to be righteous and to live right is they must seek righteousness. Go back to Matthew and this time to the 6th chapter and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you and to seek the kingdom of God, and to seek His righteousness, really is all one and the same. When we seek the kingdom of God, we're seeking the rule and the reign of God in our lives. When we seek the kingdom of God, we put the church or the kingdom first in our lives. When we seek the kingdom of God, we are seeking right living in our lives. And we have to seek it where it can be found. And you're never going to be righteous on your own. So don't try to find righteousness and live a righteous life without the Lord Jesus Christ. Why the reason Jesus died on the cross of Calvary is that we might be able to live right and to be right with God. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For He made Him who knew no sin, that would be Jesus. Well, what did He make Him? 
He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The day Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. They were upon him. He made him to be sin for us. Why? That we might become, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Someone says, well, how do you do that? How is it that you become righteous? Well, I want you to turn back a few pages, if you will, to the book of Romans. And I want to call your attention in the sixth chapter to two passages. And they are found in verses 17 and 18. Now remember, to live right, you have to seek righteousness. You have to love it. You have to desire it. So I want to live a righteous life. And how can I be right with God? Listen to verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet, yet you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, oh, isn't that a wonderful thought? Set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if people all over the world would become slaves of righteousness? Well, we wouldn't have any wars anymore, would we? We wouldn't have any murders anymore, would we? There would be no more robberies. There would be no more uh, homes broken up, would we? There, there, there would be no more social ills that we have in our country if people wanted to do the will of God. So he says you became slaves of righteousness. This is in contrast to what he says back in verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Unfortunately, a lot of people in our old world today are slaves that lead to death. They become slaves to sin and slaves to Satan, and that will lead to their eternal ruin. But on the other hand, there are those that have been set free from sin. And they became slaves of righteousness, right living. Well, how can that be? How do we become servants of righteousness? Well, go back to the first part of this chapter. I'm still in the sixth chapter of Romans. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And here's his answer in verse 2. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So we get out of the sinning business. We repent of our sins. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now go back to verses 17 and 18. In verse 17 he says, You have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that form of teaching to which you were delivered. 
And that's when you were set free from sin. They were set free from sin when they obeyed that. And they became slaves of righteousness. So how did these people become righteous? Go back to the first part of the chapter. Verse 2. They died to sin. Verse 3. This person who had died to sin is baptized into Christ. Somebody says, what is baptism? Bible baptism is a burial in water. In Colossians 2 and 12, the Bible says, buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. And so they are baptized into Christ, baptized into his what? Into his death. Where did he shed his blood? In his death. When we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death and into the benefits of that death. Therefore, we're buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When do we walk in newness of life? After that we have died to sin, verse 2, after we have been buried with Christ in baptism into his death, and then we arise to walk in the newness of life. And now go back to verse 17. Try to follow along now. You have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. I ask you a form of what doctrine? Go back to the first part of the chapter, a form of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Die to sin, buried with Christ in baptism, rise to walk in the newness of life. And friends, that's when you are set free from sin. And that's when you become a slave of right living. I don't have any doubt in my mind not at all, that our greatest need is just to do what is right. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we need in these days to be making some good decisions. The hope of God's people in Esther day, Esther's day was not only God, but having a servant of God, that is Esther, who would step forward and make the right choice. There are a lot of decisions that we need to make today to have impacts not only on ourselves as individuals and on the home and on the church, but on our nation and on our world. What will you do with God? What will you do with the Bible? What will you do? How will you use your influence? What are you going to do to save your marriage? What will you do to help save your children? What will you do with the church? What will you do with about sin in your life? What will you do with Jesus? May God help us to live right. Thank you today. May God bless you. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>